0: In eternal reverence, joy, and gratitude for the unceasing love and mercy of the one most source, most divine, we would like to welcome everyone to Freedom International live stream. And thank you for everything that all of you are doing to continue to spread the truth and to continue to take care of your families and your lives. And thank you for being with us today. And anything that resonates to you, please do everyone a favor and share it, okay? So every podcast will be shared amongst us and it will be uploaded in different platforms in BitChute, (laughs) Rumble, brighton and um yes earth's heroes tv and also in different audio platforms from spotify apple podcast podbean anchor so with me for today's episode i have hartmut schumacher oh. from germany and i have jane from uh, originally from Canada, but turned right now, she's also here in the United States, and with his her empowered podcast, and we are honored and grateful that we have Scott Shara as our guest, and Scott Shara is Grace's dad, and who is Grace Scott will share that to us, and. First and foremost, also, we'd like to really dedicate this episode to um, Grace's family and Grace herself in where we know that she is in God's hands. And also to all those of you who has friends and relatives who have, let's say, who were sacrificed for the last two, three years of this pandemic, scandemic, whatever you call it. And many have felt that loss, okay? And so Scott Shara's um, story, Grace's story being told by her dad, many of you will resonate it. So my intention for this getting together and providing this platform is that you can really enlighten yourself and kind of connect your experience with Grace's experience so that you too will be able to help others by just educating more because in in all life struggles if we are fully educated then we could handle many situations so without further ado Scott can you continue and just Tell us where you want to begin and how you want to begin. The floor is yours.
1: Well, sounds good. I would begin by telling about grace, and then I would also ask that, as either of you have questions that you interrupt me as I'm talking, because people will have the same questions. You know, we've been we've been blessed to be given a platform, and uh, as I've been walking through this, I I see that most people are afraid to share their stories which you know I get that thankfully God did not give me a spirit of fear and so uh you know I'm <clears throat> I'm out there just about every day I have 15 interviews this week I had 15 last week and uh, I've been on about 150 programs so far and we're gonna keep going uh, so you know Grace when Grace first died we had this sense that that her, she was a special kid. We just thought her death is going to open up something, and she may, she may be the impetus to take this whole house of cards done the, this whole scamdemic that you called it. I like that term. Um, but there's a lot of things happening. When we get towards the end, I'll share what what's happening now. Um, but I want to talk about Grace's life first, and then how we got here. So Grace was um, Grace was born on September twenty second, two thousand two. And I would say for the most part my life has been one of wanting my own way uh, not relying on God but in that time frame so roughly nine months earlier my wife and I decided to turn over the baby department to God and we already had a 14 year old son named Travis and a 12 year old daughter named Jessica and so we had a 12-year gap we we're 39 years old and we just thought well let's let's see what God as planned and uh so i suspect just because i i always tease my wife her name is cindy i i uh, always called her fertile mortal so i think that she got pregnant in about five minutes after we made that decision and god chose to bless us with with our little stinker grace and we named her after god's grace and when she learned that she would probably tell people that She would say, I'm, I was named after one of God's principles. She was, uh, she was an angel. I mean, we had literally a representative of God walking amongst us um, for 19 years. And you know, that's the only way you can make some sense out of this is that he, she was on loan, Uh, God is sovereign. And so he knew when Grace was going to die before she was born. And so then, what do you do after that? If you believe God is sovereign, now what? And we believe that we are uh, walking with His guidance right now to to get this word out. So you know, Grace, Grace as a kid, she had this sense about her that was was different. She had a love that. You know, Grace had Down syndrome, and Down syndrome kids are known. They call the, the 21st chromosome the love chromosome. And Grace certainly had that. I mean, she we, we, uh, we know she was high-functioning because we know a lot of parents with Down syndrome kids. So she was on the far end of the high-functioning scale. Uh, she could read and write. My wife homeschooled her, did a great job. I taught her how to drive. Uh, she played violin. She rode horse. There's nothing that she couldn't do. Um, but in the love department, she was off the charts, you know. The my biggest sin by far is loving the unlovable, and so the only time I'm certain I do that is when I'm sleeping. Well, Grace, Grace loved the unlovable all the time. Yeah, I mean it was it was awesome to be to be part of of her life, um, and on top of that, she was she was funny, you know. She could see things. Well, I'll tell you and give you an example of the sense she had. First, and so when my wife and I got in an argument, Grace was probably six or seven, and uh, she said, "Well, aren't you, aren't you supposed to say sorry?" And I said, "Grace, that's that's right." So I apologize to Cindy. Cindy apologizes to me. But here's here's Grace's sense. So she said, "So the words are one thing, but the feet are another," and she knew. You know, think through this, a six, seven-year-old Down syndrome girl. Then she says, after we both apologize, she says, well, aren't you supposed to kiss? And, I, and so that, I said, that's right on, Grace. And, of course, I was ready to do that, but my wife was, wasn't ready yet. So that's, you know, Grace had that sense. She called me Earthly Dad. She called my wife Earth, Earthly Mom. So she knew, she knew what was going on. And then, you know, her being funny, uh, she... Uh, she could see the humor in things. And you know, so she would look at things like a, an example I would share is that most people have seen the the sign with there's you know a crosswalk and then a stick man on top of the crosswalk and then a bike on top of the stick man. You know, so Grace Grace would see that and the first time she saw it, it was so funny. She said, Dad, look at that sign. It says watch out for falling bikes. And so I spun around to see. What she's talking about, and of course now these things are all over the place. But I mean, she saw not only did she see that literally, but she could see it—the humor in her bringing it up. And you know, it was—it was neat. She was, she was my best buddy. I, I thought uh, that at some day, her and I might—you know—she would be the lead, in she'd be the first stand-up comic that has Down syndrome, and I would just be her assistant. So I thought that's what she might do if someday as she as she started working. So anyway, that's a little bit about grace. So any questions?
0: It's truly amazing because I've seen many similar stories of yours when a, f- a family uh, some some when when a member of the family has some type of challenge like that, and if they look at that, challenge as a blessing, it truly becomes a blessing, as if that challenge is a reflection of God's teachings. And if we only keep looking at that way, and we've really become become filled with love. I've, uh, as a nurse, I've worked with a number of uh, individuals and again with down syndromes with autistic children or adults and when you look at what they're telling us in terms of how much love and patience instead of like being annoyed and being impatient with them we i keep like it keeps going back to me how can i develop myself more in living in The Christian principles, or in God's principles. So I, you know, listening to many of your interviews, it brings so much memories of how, as a nurse, I enjoyed working with people who and families who have challenges. And they said it brings. When I'm assigned to such, I to ask myself, what is this opportunity that brings me to take care of someone? Like Grace or other similar situation. But um how are you doing, as Jane asked you earlier, how are you doing lately? Because it must be hard to just keep going on and repeating the story. and but so, and how are you doing, and what's your main goal for creating the website and to continue to share this story?
1: So, yeah. How I'm doing emotionally, it, it really depends on the day. You know, you, you start walking through memories and uh, you know, that's tough. Uh, I, was on a, I was on a show the other, uh, earlier this week in the evening show and they, they played an Elvis song that Grace and I discovered together called Who Am I? They played that as the introduction. And I didn't remember that they were going to do that. They asked me about it way back when they booked it, but they booked it a month earlier and I forgot about it. And, and uh, you know, that's a tearjerker because I can remember when we heard it together. We had Sirius radio in my truck and we always put on the Elvis station because Grace was an Elvis lover. And um, You know, so you walk through those memories and they're tough. Uh, but, you know, that has to be put aside Because there's there's three things I would say relative to the goal. And I mean, if you're if you don't put the stuff aside, you can't communicate what's going on. So, of course, the first thing instantly we had this as a goal is we got to help other people. You know, if you believe what I'm going to tell you, that has to cause an action. And so I would encourage you to really think through what I'm going to tell you and Start processing if it's true or not. I have all the research on Grace's website. So don't just believe me, look at what I posted on the website, dig into it. Because if if what I'm saying is true, it will save your life or save a loved one's life. So immediately we had that as a goal. Then we saw the second as, as a spiritual battle as we started seeing what is really behind this. How did this all happen? Um, then you see the spiritual element of this and so you know grace grace loved the Lord and so I believe that she is being used right now to prick people's heart (laughs) you know nobody hated grace she didn't hate anybody so she is a one of the one of the hosts said grace died a martyr's death and we don't want her death to be in vain spiritually you know, if you save somebody's life physically, which we know already of many who have been saved because they call us. But if they're not saved spiritually, you wasted your time. So that's the those are the two th- reasons we're doing this. And then you asked, what's the goal? And I can can boldly say I have no idea. And the reason is I God has done so many things with this story. You can't make it up uh, from. The fact that I have time. I own a business, I run a business. I have eight guys and I just told them, you guys got to run this thing, I can't do it. I, I'm I'm working 16 hours a day on Grace's case. I have over 600 hours of research in. It. I don't have time to run the business. So I I've got the time, I mean, that's a miracle. Uh, getting introduced to Tom Wren. I mean, how does that happen? The top attorney in the country, I get introduced to him and uh, and now he's leading up the legal team for Grace. I mean, you. I mean, how? Then you know, Dr. Paul Merrick, who's the top intensivist in the entire world. Yeah, you know, I I saw him testify at the Ron Johnson hearing, which was on January 24th. I I watched it on the following Saturday, and I we were looking for an intensivist to to testify relative to the med combinations, and so he introduced himself. I didn't know him. He introduced himself as an intensivist, so I go on, after I'm done watching it, I go on Google, look up his name, and there's a phone number list, and I call it. Unbelievably, it's his home number, and he takes the call. And then I, he gives me his personal email, and I send him the stuff. And it's like, and then just this last weekend, I, I was in Tennessee speaking at, at an event called um, the Nurse Freedom Network, and it's, it's a group that's setting up an alternative medical system. And uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was the keynote speaker. And, you know, of course, to be on the same stage as him is quite humbling. But what's unique and where God's involved is I end up, his flight was leaving at the same time as me. So they had volunteers shuffling people to the airport. Him and I rode together in the van. I got to talk with him for 45 minutes. And he gave me so much insight and yeah, these guys, Tom Renz and Peter McCullough, I think, you know, I'm I'm working hard. I'm 59 years old. The the only time I remember working this hard in my life was when I started started a business. And these guys are working even harder than me. So you you get done talking. You know, when I was done talking with Peter McCullough, and we get to the airport, and and uh, he gives me his personal cell phone number, tells me to call him to stay with at his house. And it's like, you you can't. It's it, Grace would do this when these things happen. She would go, Phew. "So, where is this going? What's the goal? I have no idea what God has planned. Um, I just I want to humbly walk through this, and uh, that's that's probably the biggest uh, prayer request I'd have. I mean, there's lots of prayer requests, but one is to stay humble. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be puffed up over over this opportunity. I want to. I want to get this message out truthfully, honestly, and humbly, and hopefully, people get right with God over it.
2: Right, I feel that, I feel that, um, in the last number of years, there's been a, an agenda to turn us away from God, away from Source, to believe that there is nothing more than the physical, and. On my podcast, we constantly talk about synchronicities and this connection to source that you're talking about. And you can't deny it when synchronicities happen like that time and time again. And you know that grace has a part in it as well. And it's just so beautiful. So beautiful to hear, Scott.
1: Well, thank you. I I have 49 of these miracles documented. Yeah. Um, There's been way more than that. I mean, but, you know, it's, it's like... I just said a few of the high points, just so you get a sense of these things. I mean, uh, so how we got here. Uh, so Grace had a sniffle around September twenty eighth of two thousand twenty one. We were on the frontline doctor's protocol, so she was on a vitamin regimen before getting the sniffle, and we had everything in the house: ivermectin, um, a uh, nebulizer everything you need for COVID, and so we really didn't think anything of it. You know, we just saw it as a cold or flu, and but we just assumed that with one of us get a sniffle, let's get on ivermectin right away, so we got Grace on ivermectin. <coughs> we did a home test on her for COVID on October 1st. The reason was, I mean, she was fine, but we were going to go to a wedding, and we just didn't want to take her to the wedding. Uh, if she had COVID, she tested positive, so we, de- of course we didn't go. And so everything's going fine. And then on October 6th, she couldn't maintain her oxygen above 90%. And um, so at that point, we perceived it as an emergency. And that's that's a fairly significant point uh, because, of course, you need oxygen to live. But, you know, at the level we perceived it um, really blinded us to to what is available. And of course, I know a ton more now. I mean, I've got a lot of research in this. So if I would have known then what I know now, Grace would be alive today. If we took her to the emergency room, which we may have, um, we would have not admitted her to the hospital. And they would have sent us home with a prescription for oxygen and a steroid. And when I say Grace would be alive today, I'm not discounting God's sovereign will, of course. I mean, so he already knew. but. I'm just sharing this so that people understand the choice that you have. And the reason I say 100% is because Grace died on October 13th. October 16th, I checked into a different hospital in substantially worse condition than Grace. I just about died the first night. And in 24 hours, they turned me around. And they turned me around because they did not follow the, the protocol that they followed with Grace so they followed a protocol to kill grace versus the hospital i went to followed a protocol to save my life and it was just a completely different attitude you know in the hospital grace was in there was an aloof attitude that i heard so many times we're giving 110% we've been doing this for 2 years they really looked down on me challenging um, and they just had this, uh, just, it was really a bad attitude, a know-it-all attitude. Whereas the hospital that I went to, so Grace died in Appleton, Wisconsin. I went to a hospital in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So that's about 30 minutes apart. And the nurse, when, when I checked in, they said, what would you like to have happen? I said, "I would I would just like to rest and I'll bother you if I need you. But otherwise, I don't want anybody coming in and poking me checking on me and I don't want any alarms going off. And they respected that. I asked for the same thing for Grace and they said, we can't do that. They lied to me. Um, then the next morning really tells the tale. So the nurse came in the next morning and that night I had ended up calling them because my oxygen dropped into to about 72%. And uh, so I had to call them in to help me. I had just went to the bathroom and just going back and forth to the bathroom. I mean, it was, it was that bad. But ultimately, the next morning, that nurse, or not that nurse, a nurse came in and she was in charge of my care for most of the time. And she said, I, she had a little couple pills and she said, I'd like to go through the pill regimen with you. And I said, What do you have in there? And she said, I have a multivitamin, a probiotic, vitamin D, vitamin E, and fish oil. And I said, You got to be kidding me. You guys don't believe in that stuff. And she said, What well, we do here. And that was step two. The first step is, is respecting my wishes but step two having a protocol that it doesn't include pharmaceuticals i couldn't believe it um, so anyway it was and this was a this was a regular hospital it wasn't uh, it just there they were choosing to not be bought off by the government's agenda and you know, i can't say enough about them they saved my life and I believe God put me there for a couple reasons. One is it was part of break of his way of breaking me, which that's a whole separate issue. But um, as far as this story, you know, I, you know, obviously, he knew what I was going to do with this, which is just get out there and share the story. And in order to share it objectively, you have to go through certain things. So I mean, I had to go through that hospital stay to see what's possible. And then you know, to share that objectively. And then he also, you know, he did something so significant before I started sharing this public, which is he changed my heart. You know, you can't, as a human being, you cannot forgive a person who killed your best buddy. That's impossible, Um, but God can do it. And so, I mean, I didn't do anything. I didn't pray that he would would put the forgiveness in my heart. I didn't do anything. He just did everything and you know I, all I really care about in this is that the doctor and nurse who did this to Grace repent because I I don't I wouldn't wish eternity in hell on anybody including the people who killed Grace and of course if the whole medical profession repented of what they're doing this whole killing in the hospitals would stop in one second so
2: right and and in hindsight, you can see that your experience, which was completely different, was important in the story. Right to to see both sides and to see that you're healthy now. What what protocol was Grace put on in comparison?
1: Well, she was she went right to a high flow cannula, then a bipap for oxygen, where I just had a regular cannula, even though my oxygen saturation was substantially lower than Grace's. And then the only thing that stayed the same was we both were put on a steroid but then you know i was put on a vitamin protocol then they used budesonide uh, to help open up my lungs they didn't do any of that with grace they had a um uh, what's the what's the thing called that people with asthma have um i forgot they you know the little puffer so inhalers
0: had,
1: an inhaler right so they wanted grace to use an inhaler and they had that on the schedule, but they would never do it. I had to challenge them to do it, and they always had excuses as to why they didn't do it. But that would have helped. That would help Grace. Um, then they put Grace. The next thing they did is they put her on a sedation med, and then end of life meds. Um, they also wanted Grace to go on a drug called Taxolismab, and so this was this is a really a good example to show you how they would do things. And if I would have been educated all the way through, um, I, I'm, I'm analytical, so i like to know. So the head COVID doctor said, we'd like to put grace on. Well, actually, he, he didn't say it kindly. He was so rude. He said, I, I want to put grace on toxilisumab. And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, it's a COVID med. I said, well, spell it. So he spells it, I write it down. I have my laptop there. I do the research. And we have a doctor friend who's helping me. So I research, I talk with Dr. Sue, who was helping me. And, and we both came to the conclusion that this med is no good. The placebo did better than the med, and there was umpteen side effects of using it. So now he comes in and asks me my decision. And I said, We're not going to do it. And he, well, how come? I said, Well, look at I got an article right here. The New England Journal of Medicine did a study on Toxalisman. And it shows that the placebo placebo group did better than the than the drug group. And the drug has multiple side effects. Yeah, you know, he just threw his hands up, and um, so that was that was the attitude. Whereas then in in the hospital I was in, when it came to a med, the doctor said, "There's a med out there called um, uh, starts with a V. I'd have to look it up. Barrett, synonym, I think it is." Anyway, he said, I think this could work on you. So I did the same thing, spell it. So look it up, um, called Dr. Sue, And so in the trials, believe it or not, the people did better, even though they paired baricitinib with remdesivir. And so I thought, oh, "How? I mean, remdesivir is the kiss of death. And they paired it with this, and people were but still doing better. So I buzzed the doctor back in, I said, let's give that a try, but I don't want it paired with remdesivir. That's in all the studies. And he said, I I understand, no problem. So, I mean, it just was a completely different attitude. They respected me as a person.
2: Yeah. I feel that, you know, I, I talk about this a lot too because I'm a naturopathic doctor and I've experienced situations in hospitals where doctors talk to you like you're a child, and with no respect. And I've, I've personally found that it's a paradigm that we need to change completely. There, You know, doctors aren't God, they walk beside you, they help you when you need it, but they should be teachers, educators, there should be kindness. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a problem and uh, you know in canada we're not even allowed to go into the hospital with loved ones that are in this situation so i've heard so many stories where they're not even not even there to really do what you were doing even to research and well
1: that, that is the case in the united states too i mean how how i even got in the room is a miracle because mm. when they Asked or when they suggested admitting Grace to the hospital, I said, "Well, I'll be staying with her," and and they immediately said, "You can't." I said, "What's the reason?" They said, "We don't allow visitors on the COVID wing." So I said, "I'll be taking Grace home." Now at this point, I you know I didn't really realize what my rights were, but I just that I'm not you know there's no way I'm putting Grace in the hospital without me. I mean, how you know grace even though she's high functioning down syndrome that means she's operating at a 10 12 year old level even though she's 19. you're not going to let a 10 12 year old in the hospital making decisions for themselves i mean that doesn't make any sense um so i at that point i didn't realize that we had a right to be there under the americans with disabilities act and most people have a right to an advocate it's just they bully you
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and so they are using COVID as an excuse i mean they they killed Grace right under our nose. So this story is one of the reasons I think it got so much traction is because we were there and we can tell it from the position of being in the room uh, versus most people are telling their story from the position of after they got the records. And so when when you hear what they did to Grace, I would tell you that what they did to your loved one to kill them was at least 10 times worse because they didn't have anybody there to watch them. You know, so they've got, you know, quite a financial incentive to kill people. Um, They have immunity from liability under the PREP Act. And then they have the shroud of secrecy, which is no advocate in the room. And at least we we got rid of the shroud of secrecy. And, you know, that that adds quite a bit to the credibility of this story because we were there.
2: Yeah. What is the financial incentive for people that don't know?
1: It's substantial. Um, You know, I'll go through the, so the second day, so this was October 8th. We got into the emergency room on October 6th. Um, October 7th was just kind of a fun day with Grace and I. I really saw this was going to be a mini vacation. And then October 8th, in the morning of the 8th, so I'm going to go through this story and then dovetail that into the finances because I when i first you know after i connected the dots that they killed grace um we we put together all the records then we organized it sent it to the hospital requesting a meeting with the ceo and the doctor i thought that was my biblical responsibility because at that point i just thought well this was this was um, medical malpractice but i didn't realize now, I've come to the conclusion that I believe it's premeditated murder, which is quite a claim. At that point, you, know, you just think, well, they should know this so that doesn't, so they don't repeat it. And once they rejected the meeting, is when we went public. <coughs> ultimately, now, as we walk through these days, that will, we'll, after Grace was, died, it was about a month. No, it was about two months afterward that I connected the money, and I thought this was all about money. And this example, will show you, but I don't think it's about money at all at this point. I think money was just a tool to convince people, administrators of hospitals, to do what the government's agenda is and will continue to be. So on October 8th, a doctor came in and said, you're going to need to put your daughter on a ventilator in the next two hours. And I said, what is that recommendation based on? At this point, I did not know ventilators were bad, um, meaning relative to using ventilators with COVID. It is not a tool that should even be in the toolbox. Ventilators are, can be a necessity with other things, but COVID is not what is solved with a ventilator. And, but at this point, I didn't know that. I was under the impression that it's just a tool uh, you know, President Trump had said we have a ventilator shortage and we need to convert factories to make them. So that was my paradigm. going in. Anyway, he said that the blood gas draw we did the night before showed that race is not doing well. And so I said, I don't think that number is objective because the time they took it. Grace's stats were her her, um, blood pressure was 235 over 135 and her heart rate was 150 beats a minute. So why? Well, it was because we were really wrestling, fighting with Grace when they took that blood gas number to get a BiPAP situated. That was the night before. So they took this at the worst possible time. So I suggested taking another blood gas draw so we see what's going on. And they did and Grace was fine. So we dodged the ventilator bullet. But I asked him, what's the prognosis if Grace goes on a ventilator? And he said, well, only 20% of the people walk out alive when on a ventilator. So then I started researching ventilators and found out he told me a version of the truth. The real number is about 15%. And most of those die in the first year, assuming that they walk out alive. So at that point, we knew Grace was not gonna go on a ventilator. And that did not stop them from asking us you know, so he supposedly had the backup for the recommendation, but four times subsequent to that, they asked us for a pre-authorization to put Grace on a ventilator just in case, and just in case meant when they decided, not when we decided, and they would say versions of these type of things tend to happen in the middle of the night when we can't get a hold of the family, so they were pushing for this ventilator. So now you asked about the money, and I went through this backstory first. So. What happens when somebody goes on a ventilator? Multiple things happen. First, they get a $39,000 bonus. Second, they get a bonus because the room is now classified as ICU. Third, they have to use Presidex, which is a sedation med to sedate the person. Now, you can't just take the loved one out because the room is classified as ICU, which means if you try to take them out, it's against medical advice. If they've been on remdesivir to boot, there's another bonus and then they get a 20% overall bonus for the hospital stay if they followed that exact protocol. Furthermore, once the patient dies, which is on average 22 days later, the average period of time for someone a ventilator is 22 days. I just talked with a lady this morning on the drive up to my shop, which is where we where I am, um, she said she has a friend of hers whose mother she's concerned about, and she's advisor get her out of the hospital. She's already been on a ventilator for six months, which that's really out there on the that's on the right hand side of the bell curve. The average time is 22 days. So when you add up all the bonuses and the insurance payment, the hospital gets approximately $300,000 for convincing you or your loved one you as an advocate or the loved one directly to to go on a ventilator. So it is big time money. And the the system that Grace died in, which was Ascension Hospital System, they have 142 hospitals. They, from the government in the first year of COVID, they received $10 billion in bonus and PPP loan grants. Just process that. So the government dangles a $10 billion carrot in front of them to follow a protocol that has an, an 85% death rate. That's insane. So does that answer your question?
2: Yeah, it is insane. And you said it was a sanctioned hospital compared to the hospital you were in. Was it a private hospital you were in?
1: Well, both were technically private, but
2: mm. the
1: Ascension is when i say it's it's sanctioned by the government i don't mean legally um i mean practically so if you think about what's happening if a hospital does exactly what the government says they become an arm of the government Mm -hmm. so that's a big deal that means Mm -hmm. the, the government is the one that really is behind this this becomes a civil rights violation for hundreds of thousands of people who have been killed by these protocols.
2: Yeah. Which is kind of, it's horrifying, isn't it? And, you know, I've had these conversations with people and they say, but our government wouldn't do that to us. They're here to protect us. And, you know, (laughs) you have to be aware and awake to what's really going on. So, Scott, did, um, did Grace end up on a ventilator? Is that what ultimately happened or?
1: No, not at all. Um, what ultimately happened was, so there was a there's several other examples I can go through, but ultimately um, I was taken out by an armed guard on Sunday the 10th. We had to hire Grace's special needs attorney to negotiate with the hospital to get my daughter Jessica in as a replacement advocate. Uh, my wife couldn't do it at that time because she had COVID. And uh, so we had 44 hours without an advocate. So what we found out in going through the records is they started grace on a sedation med called Presidex on October 9th. So just the sequence of events, first day in the hospital was October 7th, emergency room October 6th, first day in the hospital the seventh. The first request for the ventilator on the 8th, the 10th, I was taken out uh, 44 hours without an advocate. The 9th is when they started Presidex. Grace died on the 13th. So now from the 9th through the 12th, that's four days. They had Grace on Presidex for four days. During the window that we didn't have an advocate, they increased the dose of Presidex seven different times. So instead of taking care of Grace, they chose to sedate her. Each of these meds has a package insert, and this is, this is is really really important for people to understand. So this friend of yours that says the government would never do this, and I, I get that. Um, so before this, I would have said, you know, I have a distrust in the government, but I didn't believe that it was this far gone. Now I would say that uh, if I heard myself talk seven months ago, I would have I would have judged myself as either a conspiracy theorist is. If a conspiracy theorist if i'm in a good mood or a whack job if i'm in a bad mood but these are facts that i'm explaining so the facts don't lie you know there's things that i say as speculation so for example when i say i believe when they took grace out it was premeditated murder that's speculation i don't know that only god knows that I just have so many facts that I have finally concluded that. And it took me a long time. Lots of people have called Grace's death murder at the beginning. I didn't because I had to prove it myself. And this precedex usage is one of the things that about seven weeks ago is when I finally was convinced that Grace's death was murder. And there's too many coincidences. So if you look at the government bought, not legally, this hospital to follow an agenda, Okay, so then the hospital follows this agenda. I'm going to walk through it. I mean, this is sick stuff. Okay, so then when you say, well, our government would never do that. Well, in fact, they did. And we have 49 different stories posted on Grace's website already. Plus, there's other website, Protocol Kills, um, Make America's Free Again. There's, There's literally thousands of these stories posted. I've talked personally with tens of people. Uh, people write us the lady I was talking to when I was driving up here today I mean she wrote to us yesterday they, they do handwritten letters telling us about stories so, I mean this stuff is is real and you know when the believability factor of this story came out that's why we did the website so if you look at grace's website we have thirty five thousand dollars just in that website because it had you know you start finding this stuff out and it gets so elaborate because people need to know and then they can make a judgment call versus just listening to a dad. Look at the details. So one of the details here is presedex. So they had Grace on presedex four full days before she died. Okay, the package insert says to not use it for more than 24 hours. Okay, so now you jump forward to Grace's last day. They ratchet up the presedex to near max dose at 1048 in the morning. The The package insert, I'm going to read this directly, right? This is literally first page adverse reactions for the morph or the precedence package insert. It says adverse reactions associated with infusions greater than 24 hours in duration include ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome, respiratory failure, and agitation. So I was on Stu Peters two weeks ago, his producer called and he wanted me to drill down Presidex again, which I'd already drilled it down, but it dawned on me that I've seen those words before. So I was laying in bed when it dawned on me. So I sent myself an email. So I looked at Grace's death certificate in the morning. I didn't look at it in seven months. The immediate cause of death, acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. So you remember I just got done reading that an adverse reaction for infusions greater than 24 hours is respiratory failure. Grace died, number one cause, acute respiratory failure. So that's a direct cause of death from using a drug illegally. And another side effect of Presidex is low oxygen, which is called hypoxemia. The second cause of death, COVID-19 pneumonia. So of course, so they can get the $13,000 death bonus. so now we get into Grace's last day, and this. So, do you have any questions about that? So that's the. First, there's three causes of death that I have come to. So this is the first cause of death: is illegally using precedent. Any other? Any questions about that one right now?
3: I would like to know all the the, the other um, the other two facts concerning the um, how what's about the death. So the first one, and now they said the other two as well. Please, move on. So
1: on Grace's last day, which was October 13th, the doctor called Cindy and I at home um, at about 8 o'clock, and the purpose of his call was to ask our decision on a ventilator. He had called the night before, wanted us to make a decision for a preauthorization for a ventilator again. This was the fourth time after... The doctor had said on October 8th, the story I went through with you before when he requested a ventilator. And so then he called. We said, no, we're not going to do a ventilator. Then he said, Grace had such a good day yesterday that we should look at a feeding tube because she's malnutrition. And so we foolishly agreed to this. And it fits into the story. But I say foolishly because Grace was malnourished because it was self-inflicted by the hospital. <coughs> they would not let me feed Grace. They would not let Jessica feed Grace. And the nurses, instead of feeding her, sedated her. So now he frames this that you know Grace is malnourished and we're going to have to get her nutrition up before we can release her. And so we agree to this. At this point, Grace has a pick line in already, but he's, he said, I'm, I'm going to suggest we don't use TPN food because that could cause an infection with the bacteria with the PICC line. So then we say, okay. So our perception here is is Grace is a couple days from getting out. This is significant. Uh, and that, that perspective is reinforced by our daughter, Jessica. She monitored Grace's oxygen all through the night. The night before it was at 98, 99%. The only thing that that Grace was sleepy. And of course she's sleepy because they're sedating her. This We didn't know the sedation is going on. We just thought she's sleepy because she needs to sleep to get well. We didn't realize she's sleepy because they sedated her. But Grace was doing so well that before she went to bed on her last night, Jessica called her two boys, Grace's nephews, on a FaceTime call, and Grace sat up in the bed and hollered, Hi, boys. And she had to holler because she had a BiPAP mask on and she wanted them to hear her. So it was just typical Grace. Um, Anyway, uh, so now he calls us at 8 o'clock. We say no to the the vent. Remember, she didn't need a vent. It was for a preauthorization. Then we say yes to the feeding tube. Now Jessica says, and this is significant, There was a 14-year experienced ICU nurse in charge of Grace's care, that her last day. In fact, she was in charge of her care on October 12th, also the day before. So Jessica says to her, I'm going to take a shower. And she said to Jess, you're going to have to go home to take a shower. And Jessica says, well, what's the reason? That doesn't make sense. When my dad was in the room, he could take a shower in the room, which I did, because they insisted I not leave. And she said, "I don't care what we did for your dad. You need to go home and take a shower." So Jessica, being at least a little fearful that she's going to get kicked out because I was just kicked out three days earlier by an armed guard, um, she goes home. She comes back inside of an hour. Before she leaves, she tells Grace, um, "I'm going to go home and take a shower." Grace, is that okay? Grace gives her the thumbs up, gives a hug, and uh, so you know Grace is still okay. So this is roughly eight thirty in the morning. So now she gets back, you know, before 930. She overhears the main doctor, another doctor and the 14 year ICU nurse in the hallway say, the family's not going to like this. So she said, What are they going to like? While she was gone, they strapped Grace down to the bed, they restrained her strapped her down to the bed for wanting to go to the bathroom. And they made her poop in the bed. So just process that. That is so sick. One of the attorneys who reviewed this said, Scott, do you think you would have been strapped down to the bed? I said, absolutely not. And that comment motivated me to do some research. And when God wants my attention, he always gets me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. So that Sunday after the attorney said that, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I reviewed all the doctor's reports that we had. So there's 22 different doctor's reports from Grace's seven days. I reviewed each one, and I was looking for Down syndrome. mentioned grace had down syndrome 36 different times in 22 reports just think think through that and you can just file that away (coughs) so now they use the strapping down to the bed to increase precedex further instead of waiting for grace to rebound from being strapped down to the bed they go right to inserting the feeding tube and jess tries to console grace she said mom and dad want want you to do this so that you can get your nutrition up and get out of here so Grace does the best, You know, Jess is holding on to her, but I mean, she gets agitated. Now they use that as an excuse to take the presedex up to near max dose. So now Grace is knocked out. She's completely knocked out. Presedex is used as a drug to knock you out for surgery. So at 1048 in the morning on Grace's last day, she's knocked out. And Jessica verifies this from her physical presence in the room. In spite of being knocked out, at 11:25, they gave her a dose of lorazepam, which is an anti-anxiety med. Have you ever met anybody who's knocked out that has anxiety? At, that's rhetorical. At 5:46, they gave her another dose of lorazepam. At 5:49, two or three minutes later, another dose of lorazepam. And at 6:15, a two-milligram dose of morphine as an IV push. So now, in 29 minutes, she has three meds that would have taken all four of us out in her system. For that to happen, the following had to take place. Of course, you would think, well, the doctor, the doctor must have ordered those. I wonder, if, wonder why he did that. So maybe it was a mistake. Well, I thought, you know, I thought that was a possibility at the beginning also, but it's not a mistake. And of course, this is my opinion again, but why do I say it's not a mistake? Well, the doctor had somewhere between 11 and 20 years of experience based on the hospital's website. A pharmacist had to sign off on that order. So a doctor can't do it without a pharmacist signing off. The package insert for morphine says to not combine those drugs because it causes death. So because of that warning, the hospital alarm system had to be overridden to be able to administer those meds. And then remember what I said at the beginning, a 14-year ICU nurse who knew better, my opinion again, had to consciously choose to inject those meds in Grace's body to kill her. Uh, The intensivist that I talked about earlier, um, it it only took him 15 minutes to review the records and said the meds killed your daughter. Uh, So then, so that's the second. That's the second cause of death. The third one is actually the worst. So you think those first two are pretty bad? I I would guess you do. But there's one that's even worse than that. So now it's six fifteen. Jessica starts feeling Grace get cold. Sometime maybe seven o'clock. We don't know. She doesn't remember exactly. But sometime shortly after six fifteen, maybe six forty-five. Whatever she she feels Grace getting cold. So she goes to out to find the ICU nurse and and ask her to come and take a temp because she feels Grace getting cold, and the ICU nurse says, well, that's normal. Just put a blanket, on, blanket over. After they gave Grace the morphine, not one nurse or doctor stepped foot in that room until Grace was pronounced dead at 727, an hour and 15 minutes later. The morphine package insert says that you're supposed to monitor the patient and have the reversal drug bedside, neither of which happened. They could have reversed this and kept Grace alive. Jessica now gets to the point of panicking. At 7.20, she called Cindy and I at home on a FaceTime call and said, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. I said, get the nurses in. She said, I've been trying, they won't come in. She estimated 30 nurses in the hallway at this point because of shift change. So Cindy and I start screaming, save our daughter. They holler back, she's DNR, do not resuscitate. This is the first we knew she's DNR. We holler back, she's not DNR save our daughter. They refuse to come in the room to do that. That fact pattern violates at least seven different state statutes with a DNR order. We found out after the fact, because Tom Brands hired a medical malpractice nurse to review the records. So I gave her everything. She said, Scott, you're missing at least a thousand pages. So she helped write up another records request. We got another 948 pages and that's when we found what we call the smoking gun. The doctor put the DNR order on Grace at 1056 that morning. Eight minutes after they they gave her the near max dose of Presidex. One of the attorneys who reviewed this said they had to get that DNR order in place right away because they thought the Presidex was gonna take Grace out. if you just look at that sequence of events, they had to have a DNR order in place and nurses believed that that had authority. So then they they stopped wanting to save her. by Even if there was a valid DNR order in place by Cindy and I hollering, she's not DNR, save our daughter. State statute says that fact makes any DNR order in place even if grace would have put one on herself it null and voids that dnr order. so that's the third that's the third cause of death
3: and and what is the situation right now because um let's say you are you fight a very huge battle and um the problem is let's say a, a normal a normal guy or normal man or woman would like to have uh, justice. And the problem is, is this an official protocol of the government? How is, what is your result after this battle at the moment? What do you, um, yep, yeah, what is question. the situation?
1: So one other piece I'll just add, and then I'll answer your question specifically, is that uh, we found out later on that evening that there was also an armed guard posted outside the room. And we presume that armed guard was there to prevent any nurse from coming in and saving Grace. And we know he was posted because after Grace died, Jessica crawled in bed with her to hold her until Cindy could get there. And that armed guard watched Jessica through the nurse's window in the hallway the entire time she laid with Grace. Um, so it's it's pretty bad. So here's, here's the details that I can share. There's, a, there's some things I can't share, but we are involved now. We have a legal team. Tom, Tom Renz is heading it up. Um, the PREP Act provides immunity other than with intention. We believe we have enough evidence. We have an overabundance of evidence to show intention. Plus, the protocol that they followed isn't the protocol that is sanctioned by the government, which is remdesivir and ventilator. They used end-of-life meds. Right now, this protocol that I just described with the end of life meds. So they call them comfort care instead of the truth because it sounds better um, and a DNR. That is already state sanctioned in the UK. It's not state sanctioned in the United States. So that's that's really the key. Um, so they might be able to get away with the Presidex because Presidex is part of the government protocol. But you can't get away with a end of life med combination that would have taken anybody out, and you can't get away with uh, putting a DNR order on somebody without their permission. So that's the that's in a nutshell why we why we're going to um, challenge this and and make Grace's case. You know, when Grace first died, I think I said this at the beginning. We had a sense that she might be the one who takes down this whole house of cards because she is a special kid uh, and you know if God's going to use it for that that would be fantastic and we're just part of it and you know, we're not after any money um, that's not what's going on Tom Bren's convinced me to file the lawsuit and we were against filing a lawsuit but he said Scott in our system this is the fastest way we can stop the behavior and so he convinced me of that and we think we have enough evidence um, that this would be you know of course it's a uh, lawsuit is always a crapshoot because you never know who the judge is going to be, the jury, everything else. But you know, just think through hearing what I just told you, and this is is pretty bad stuff. So, thank you. Question: uh,
3: I want to, I, I want to, I have a comment. Um, it is very interesting because. Um, the justice is here very necessary because as jane said the the gods in white and um, here in germany when for example in the 19th century the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry was established in 1867 uh, they they copied nature they only copied nature and put it uh, and they established the chemistry and they put everything together like the puzzle principle and the interesting thing is after a couple of years of discovering the nature the the uh, executive boards they called themselves the council of god and when you know that the pharmaceutical and the chemical industry have established this kind of medical industry with universities then there is a let's say there is probably a link how it comes that the people that several professional have a specific attitude and this is, um, and the justice can, um, cra- crash the carthouse I really appreciate what you're doing. What I think I you,
1: do. I think you summarized that perfectly and you know, that's, this case if it gets the traction that we think it will can you know we're only in one lane uh, so we're in the hospital killing lane you know there's other lanes here we've got a vaccine that is not a vaccine at all that is causing mass killings Um, we have doctors and nurses losing their licenses for for um, prescribing stuff that works Uh, so that's another lane there's there's so many angles of this yeah, so we're just in in one lane, and we just want to take that lane to the to the max, and that's that's what I am dedicated to do.
3: Yeah, a war is won by many battles. Correct. And it's, yeah, this. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate this.
1: Well, thank you. It's encouraging. Yeah. It's encouraging to talk it through. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, it's 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 the the details in this case are they're so bad, and uh, you know that's why you know we keep telling it. Hopefully, people if they hear this and they think that oh this guy's all wet, that's okay. I don't care what you think about me, but look at the research that's on Grace's website, and then you know take some time and dig. You know, why would you believe why would you believe the media that says vaccines are safe? what's well why would you just believe that? why won't you just believe me at the same level and then because each thing you shouldn't just believe what's being told it should require you to do the critical thinking so critical thinking has been trained out of our society uh for a couple generations and of course we're seeing the fruit of that people don't think anymore
3: yes and um and uh especially also as you mentioned you had sorry for saying that but you had the privilege to see it to be directly involved in this thing many patients wrote let's say their situation from a critical point of view lying in this room no chance to talk to any uh, family members and send only messages and the me- and the family members could only see in the messages on the telephone how they really how they really felt Right. And um, yeah, and these these are the, the unknown people who can never say anything.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, so one thing I would encourage anybody to do that has lost a loved one is get the records. You know, it may be that you never use them, but if there is going to end up being class action suits as this thing goes, um, you got to have the records. Without the records, and on top of the records, any any text messages, notes you have, uh, take what is in your memory and transcribe it on paper. Um, all that stuff will become important, and it's worth doing. Uh, if you choose not to do it, that's your prerogative. But if you if you do it, I think it, it uh, it's going to end up helping the cause in the end.
3: And it would also um, has. The effect. It would also have the effect that many people would go to court, and the uh, the courts would be so busy that the system could be crashed. Could crash.
1: Well, that's true. That's that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very hard to get somebody to take to take a case. You know, because yeah, you know, the, you know, the immunity from liability. Nobody really wants to take a case, but. You know, that's, you know, that's where I'm, I'm very thankful for Tom Renz and him seeing um, the the path that we can hopefully get justice for a lot of different people. So I, I'm looking at justice as the, you know, the best justice of, of all I already said, which is the the doctors and nurses who are doing this to repent. Um, but the justice of accountability, so there's, for every choice, there's a consequence, and You know, I I think most of these people who are doing this are are robotic. They just see it in in a light that is so hard to grasp. Um, A few weeks back, I I learned of the Milgram obedience experiment. And that really was shocking to me. In that experiment, two-thirds of the subjects would administer an electric shock to the actors which they didn't know were actors enough of an electric shock to kill the person just because their superior told them to do that <coughs> that does not let these doctors and nurses off the hook because you still have to be responsible for your choices but I mean, people are are really in this you know they're almost like zombies and this where my research has gone is in is in that area where i believe this is actually genocide that's Taking place. And it's been set up for multiple decades. And yes. again, in the United States, right now, 67% of Down syndrome children are already aborted. Most countries, it's higher than that. Denmark has a 98% abortion rate for Down syndrome children. You know, and right now, when a young person gets pregnant, the first thing their doctor encourages them to do is get an amnio so they can not have the this disabled child complicate their life, and most of them get aborted. And so if that's already the mindset that's been set up for four decades, it's no surprising. So grace is then a useless eater to most of these young people in the hospital. And the elderly are the same. They've been put in nursing homes for many decades now where nursing homes when I was a kid were very uncommon. But now that just becomes this norm. So now think about a young person, what do they actually think about an elderly person? You know, very few have a compassionate heart and so When the elderly person is in there they just well i'm just doing society a favor this person's lived a good life already it's like uh, i mean they really have a warped a warped mind but i think that is is what's happening i think it's happening worldwide and that's where the newest research that that i've been doing is is leading me to
3: yeah and uh, for example here in europe uh, in several countries it will be like um that, for example, if someone is given an injection, the specific injection, he cannot be reliable. No doctors, no drug store managers, for example, in Germany, uh, drug store managers are willing or able to give injections and there is no reliability for them. And this is, and this is very important to understand because um, there, was, there was the case of the torture of prison in, in, in Iraq um I forgot the name and um and the American soldiers have tortured the prisoners and the most important thing was they did it because they were told and they gave the responsibility to the people who
1: were above them yes and that's exactly the so that's the excuse that the people used in the Milgram obedience experiment and when this stuff Goes to court. To, I mean, that uh, Adolf Eichmann used that same excuse in the Nuremberg trials. I mean, this is the same thing happening again.
3: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, th- Jane, do you have any <laughs> <a> comments?
2: <laughs> yeah. That's why I started my podcast, Empowered, because I feel that people need to take back responsibility and make a decision from their own their own empowerment and it's been trained out of us. We're now programmed to give away our power and yeah, it's, it's an epidemic in itself. But you know, my dad, he had a stroke years ago and he's, he's he struggled, it's been difficult, he's been at home. But a few weeks ago he was, um, we, my mom, he had a fall and my mom was worried that his intestine had uh, flipped. And so he needed to go to the hospital, and he didn't come back the same. He came back completely um, medicated. He didn't know where he was. He could barely walk, and um, he passed away two days later. But it's a completely different story. But I was devastated, and I've watched um, a few things on Netflix, and I wonder uh, if you've had an experience with – there's a Netflix series called Life After Death in which someone, you know, really gets in touch with the other side, a, a psychic that really helps people um you know get messages from their loved ones. And I really feel Grace has has like is there beside you every step of the way and I just wondered if you could share something you've felt from her and you know because I think in the end this is I think this is one of her biggest stories: is that with these synchronicities and this beauty that she's, you know, still guiding you, is something that we need to remember and and uh, it empowers us as well to know that we are more than flesh and blood.
1: Well, I mean, have had several dreams where you know, graces in the dreams. Those are, of course, fantastic when you have those. Um, I've also had several nightmares where you replay the sequence of events and you can't help but beat yourself up saying, Well, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Uh, You know, I see things. Maybe the main thing, you know, my daughter Jessica, there's two things I would say relative to that. So when these podcasts first started, and, uh, you know, Jess, Jess has been a big supporter, and she said, Dad, Grace is looking down on you and saying, Way to go, earthly dad. Um, but you know what happened when when Grace was alive. I I worked a lot. I always thought my primary responsibility was to make sure that we had enough set aside to take care of Grace when Cindy and I were gone. And um, so that's that's a, a message I would say to all dads. You know that uh, I can't get that time back, and you know I I only give myself a C minus as a dad while Grace was on this earth, and a lot of the reason is because I had too high of a priority on on work. Um, you know the times we had together were great, I and mean, she was a wonderful kid, but I just wish I had a lot more, and uh, I I want to get an A now.
0: <laughs> um, I want to say that please. Please, Thank you so much. Please don't uh, don't underestimate or don't be hard on yourself. Because as a as a nurse in critical care, I, if I was still there, I'm still there. You would be my best patient advocate. Because I always that was one of my best time in ICUs as a hospital nurse is to have that family member who could really like fight with me because it is difficult for a nurse to really have that assertiveness with all the other team members around them but i always had to say hey the family wants this the family said this the family I, <laughs> so even if i truly want it as well but if the family says so i'm i'm with the family and if i'm i'm if at some point there's and i and i know if you were in and and you ended up in a different hospital and you had a different experience. So, but it's always that minority. But so you, I gave you an A plus, A plus for that. So it, that's really good. Um, so it will be for me, it will be you, it will be a win, 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 win situation. Yes, someone has someone, many people have to take that responsibility and change the course. And uh, I want to end with Psalms 23, verses 4 to 6. And it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And a a favorite poem also that I always offer to those who have uh, loved ones who've been sacrificed when maybe they didn't have to be sacrificed, it says, a letter from heaven. When tomorrow starts without me, And I am not there to see if the sun should rise and find your eyes all filled with tears for me. I wish so much you wouldn't cry the way you did today while thinking of the many things we didn't get to say or do. I know how much you love me as much as I love you. And each time that you think of me, I know you'll miss me too when tomorrow starts without me don't think we're far apart for every time you think of me i'm right here in your heart and i say not goodbye but till we meet again so Scott, thank you so much yeah
1: thanks that was very encouraging grace thank you for
0: that and grace really lived up to her name so what a blessing and to all of you there who have the same exact or similar experience? Please remember that there's always another person whom you could talk to and share, and you know, just do your part, okay? And Scott, would you tell them again any other information that you would like to share, and how to help in this, you know, in this uh, battle? Well,
1: Grace's. Is- website is OurAmazingGrace.net, and if you choose to go there, spend some time learning about Grace, uh, read her obituary. That What you just read reminds me of her obituary. My my wife wrote Grace's obituary, and it's uh, it's really well done. Um, so spend some time on the website getting to know Grace. We have a ton of videos and all kinds of neat things, and then the Tragedy tab has the research um, You'll see all kinds of other tabs with resources. And if you choose to, you want to help us, we're of course raising money for the lawsuit now. Uh, We have a give, send, go set up under the uh, how can you help tab. Uh, So if you're inclined to do that, that would be fine also. And if you want to get a hold of us and talk through your story, there's a way to share your story Uh, on the website. There's a form to fill out that has your contact information. And then I get all those via email. So if you do that then I, if and if you want to talk about your story I'll be glad to to reach out to you once you fill out the form. So thank you.
0: Thank you again and I Always want to say that in the name of the covenants of divine right order, divine right timing, and divine right balance, as only eternal source can know, we end and complete this podcast. And may all of you be blessed and continue to be protected, whatever you do, wherever you are. Source blessed.